Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Hello and welcome to The Bee's Knees podcast and Knee Radio One. Uh, This is PJ Ewing, your host. I have a great interview for you today, and it's with a terrific lady named Sandy Acor. Sandy has a five-year saga to relate to us. It started five years ago when she had a total knee replacement, unsuccessful, let's call it, and a lot of pain and her actually giving up on uh, the knee. I'll live this way forever. This is life. I am not going to have another knee surgery, period. That's it. That's it. That's it. So five years go by, and she finally relents after all this uh, lack of motion. Her life is really compromised, and she says, okay, well, I'm going to try this again. And she finds a good surgeon, and she'll tell us about that in the interview. And then she has what's called a revision surgery. That means they're going to take out the hardware and do it all over again. She'll tell you the full story. It's great. What's really important here, though, are the lessons that Sandy has for us all, and she lists them, and I note them in the blog that you can uh, visit at x10therapy.com and look up Sandy's name or, or use the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. But she's got some specific lessons for us that we get to hear, and maybe more than all of that is that she adopted the It Takes a Village attitude and really got her friends involved, got everybody that she could that loves her to support her. And they were all there day and night. And for the first two or three weeks, the acute phase of recovery after her revision knee replacement surgery, she had people around her cheering her on, making meals, helping her out, and really creating an environment where she can be successful, and she was very successful with a clean bill of health, fabulous range of motion, a very happy end to the saga that started back in 2015, and now, as of midsummer 2020, has ended with a happy result. So, meet Sandy Acor, and I think you'll love her. She's amazing, but I think her story will be inspirational for everyone out there who's potentially looking at a a failed knee surgery, knee replacement surgery, and thinking about doing it again. Good God. Uh, Yeah, doing it again. And in this case, we've got a story of a lady who did just that. So this is my interview with Sandy Acor. I hope you enjoy it. So hello, this is PJ Ewing. I'm here. I'm here with Sandy, and we're going to talk about knees and revisions and total knee replacements and a bit of a saga. How are you today, Sandy? What's going on? I'm doing great. Thanks. Love it. Love it. You're in Florida, kind of at this time of the year, a little bit locked down and super safe, would you say, because of the virus? Oh, yeah. Since since mid-March. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the same boat here in New York. Um, I guess we're trying to emerge a little bit here, but, you know, we're all very concerned. And we're we're, uh, recording this for friends at home. Um, we're recording this in the really the latter part of July 2020. So, you know, right now the world is a scary place, but, you know, we expect that for those that are listening to this later and later and later, you're going to look back on these times with uh, you know, awe, but also uh, the knowledge that things got better <laughs> and it's not so bad <laughs> in the future, I'm sure. Tell us your background and where you're from originally and what you've done for your life and all that stuff, if you like, whatever you want to share. Sure. Um, I grew up um, about 26 miles south of Boston on the ocean. Went to college in New York at the Culinary Institute of America, and I worked professionally in the food service business from uh, restaurant, hotels, a uh, food service director in a hospital to catering and corporate. While I was going to the culinary, I did work part-time on weekends for a local country club. I've lived in 12 states. I retired once, and then as a hobby, I started, I couldn't find any decent marble rye bread when I lived in Arizona. So I had a, a, a 95-year-old gentleman teach me how to make the best marble rye bread, and 
We ended up opening up a wholesale bakery in Arizona. The more successful I got, the earlier I'd go in. So I was going in anywhere from 10 to 11 at night and working and not collapsing till about 3 in the afternoon. And then I'd have to calculate all the production for the next day on my computer and 20-hour day for me. Amazing. Yeah, I know. That. I had a friend who started a bakery, a family bakery, and it was, uh, you know, a lot of work. And it, when you say you went in, you were baking, right? I mean, you were... I mainly did Italian bread, and um, and the only dessert I did wholesale was the cinnamon roll. But I supplied a grocery store, a couple of um, fine dining areas in Arizona. Oh. My claim to fame probably was uh, my focaccia bread. Uh, it was uh, the olive restaurant. It's the only olive farm in Arizona. They were buying my breads, and I used their olive oil, fresh rosemary, and, their, and they were on that dive and drive-in show, um, and they were recognized for their eggs benedict because it used my Sakasa bread instead of like a typical English muffin. Wow. Mm, and I was, I also got rated the best wholesale bakery when they did a, a, a newspaper polling. So, Sandy, you have an illustrious career. I, some people have gold records on their walls. You have bakery awards, right? I actually like. do have pictures in my kitchen of all my different breads. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Have you ever thought of doing a cookbook? No. No. Um, oh. I, I do share recipes with friends. Um, I know that when Trish was here, my coach... I sent her home with some delight. I sent her or Dave home with some of my keto delights. So, Sandy, let's. thanks for the information about you and your background. Let's go to your, I guess, the first instance of knee trouble and then take us through that first surgery and what happened. And sort of tell your, tell your knee story <laughs> in this case. Okay. Um, I was having a lot of, um, a lot of pain with my my left knee and I thought I'd better get it checked out. I went to not one, but six different orthopedics because I didn't believe any of them that I actually needed a total knee replacement. You didn't want to believe it, huh? No, I I thought that only happened to old people. (laughs) Right. And that's not going to happen to us. Exactly. So I, I really did keep going, hoping I'd get the information that that I didn't need it. So I, I went to a doctor in um, Arizona who was recommended to me by uh, an orthopedic nurse who worked with his patient in the hospital. Uh, I had the procedure done. It was it was awful from day one. It was. It's really a, a bad, bad experience. I went to PT. One thing, he did not have me on an ice machine. He did not have PT come to my house the first week. So I think that that's something to really be aware of. You definitely want an ice machine, and you definitely want PT coming to your house. This is about five years ago that this happened? Five years ago, yes, in January. Okay. What did you end up using for icing? Just, do you remember the device? Um, ice packs. You know, didn't really help at all. Five minutes on, they'd be melted. <laughs> and I started physical therapy. Well, by the time I got into the car, the physical therapy office was only like five minutes away. But I would be pure sweat and I would be crying because it hurt so much to get in the car, to get out of the car. And then when I got in there... I just cried the whole time. I think about six weeks later, when they got me on the bicycle for the first time where I actually could pedal at once, they were all clapping, and I looked at them, and I said, you know, if I even liked you a little bit, I would have told you that my name is Sandy, not Sandra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just terrible. It was a terrible experience, and I did not get better. I kept calling my doctor. He said, okay, come in. I went in. He did x-rays. Well, you need to know that an x-ray is going to not, it won't show um, if you have a defective appliance, which is what ultimately I had. All he did was a regular x-ray that just said, oh, yeah, everything's fine. 
Well, then he kept blaming PT and telling me they were working too hard on the knee and to stop going. It did not get any better. And he just blew me off, and he actually um, retired six months. <laughs> that, was, that was his way out. I'll see you later, career. I'm done. You know, looking back now, I think he just he was done and over with it. Maybe he yeah. used a, an appliance that was just sitting around because it certainly wasn't the right one for me. And then I did what so many people do uh, when you go through such a bad experience. I said, I'm never having knee surgery again. I'd rather die because it really was that bad. My friends were all telling me something's wrong. Something is wrong. You, sh- you should be better by now. Well, again, I just I didn't do anything about it, and um, I've, I struggled with it for the five years. It progressively got worse. I wasn't able to ride my two-wheel motorcycle anymore. I had to go buy a slingshot with three wheels uh, and keep my legs stretched out. Again, I didn't go see anybody, which is the biggest mistake. I should have just gone to another orthopedic, and they should have done tests. Finally, when I was here in Florida last summer, I was determined that my knee was going to work. I was going to do my bike again. Well, I spent three hours a day in the pool walking, jumping, doing everything I could, and all I did was create more pain. So I went and saw a, a, a surgeon in September, and initially my knee was like, seven degrees warmer than the other knee. So he said, you're not going to need knee surgery. I think you have a low-grade infection. So they did. They removed fluid and sent it off and found I had no infection at all. So he had also done a regular x-ray in his office and felt like everything was okay. So then he went ahead and had an MRI with contrast ordered. And that's where the true story came out. I had a defective um, appliance that had never bonded to my bones. Wow. And it was yeah. it was that MRI that was that's how we, yeah. we found you found this out. Absolutely and, and I want everyone to know that an MRI with contrastor is the way to go, not just regular X rays. So so two lessons are coming out right now. One is um, take advantage of the time and the early days or the early year or if something isn't working, uh, you're, it sounds like you'd advise to just stick with it. You kind of gave up, it sounds like, and years went by when you weren't, and you weren't happy about that and your knee wasn't functioning properly and you wish you had sort of kept on it, kept dealing with it. Second thing is it looks like you know more detail and going to the MRI was a pretty important step to finding out that there was something really wrong there. Absolutely. Those are two lessons that, that I, if I can help one person. What's amazing to me is that we, we just skipped through five years, right? I mean, it was five right. years ago that this happened. You weren't happy. It didn't go well. You, you just sort of said, I'm never going to have any surgery again. And it tells me that you really, really weren't happy. If you turned around and said, all right, I am going to entertain another knee surgery, a revision knee replacement surgery, that means you really, really needed it because because you had such a strong feeling against it way back when. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it actually became a very crazy story for the year, starting in September. Um, and I don't know if this is going to happen to anyone else. I know one friend who a little taste of this. I went for my clearance exam, and they wanted me to have a chest X-ray. So I went for the chest X-ray, and then they said we need to do a test here. It looks like you have um, a couple nodulars and a mass in your lungs, and I'm like shocked. So the next thing I know, instead of knee surgery, I'm going to see a pulmonologist. Well, they did a biopsy, and and it wasn't anything. They think scar tissue. But, Hmm. and I've had that checked twice since, and it's the same thing, and it's not as big. So 
I went through that scare on top of everything. And then they said, let's do a PET scan to make sure. Well, they did a PET scan, and then they said, we see something on your liver. Well, let's let's do a biopsy. So then they're sending me to an oncologist. Meanwhile, I can barely walk. Now I'm freaked out. And they find out that that isn't anything either. So I'm finally released. So oh, you just year, want to ride your motorcycle. You're just like, please I, let me ride my motorcycle. And they're sending you here and there. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, all my friends are like, when is your date? When is your surgery date? And, and yeah. I, I didn't want to share with them at the time that, oh, I might be dying of cancer. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I just kept saying they're waiting, they're waiting. So um, that was a lot of pressure with my support group. I didn't want them worrying about me. So it was a lot to handle, and I then, um, they scheduled my procedure, and it was scheduled for Friday the 13th in March. Well, I got a call right when I was at the hospital getting my blood tested uh, to have the surgery in two days. I got a call. They canceled my appointment. I, I, I was in shock. I, I said, no, no, you have to do my surgery. And you're not going to believe this, but they actually told me the reason they were canceling it wasn't because of the virus. It was because my orthopedist had to go to a parent-teacher conference. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I couldn't believe this. So all signs telling me not to go to this surgeon, that's for sure. So, so here well, you I had am. Some, you had some mishaps, didn't you? I mean, it was... Uh same surgeon who thought that you had an infection, so there was one delay. Then you've got these right. sort of trips to other professionals, medical professionals, doctors, to check those things out. The parent-teacher conference, my goodness. And then, and what then, happened? What do you do? Well, a, a friend of mine had told me her husband had to have a revision done. She had told me in September, um, but pretty much the same story, um, that I was going to see in my future. And uh, I remembered his name. So I called her, and her husband was three months out doing phenomenal. I said, please, give me his name and information. So I, I then when I wasn't going to have any confidence for that other group that, um, that let me down. I mean, when you schedule a surgery like that, you have everything in place. You have your family, friends. Everything is set. And then to have it pulled from you and you're hurting so bad, you just, and you don't want to have the surgery anyhow, it's, it's, it was not a good time. So I, I met the doctor who, if I can say, was at Chan's Hospital, and he heard the whole story, and because of the virus, they had a lot of cancellations because people who were going to come and stay with their family members who were afraid to fly to Florida. So, so he was able to get me in in two weeks. Let's use his name in this case. Who, who is the surgeon? Oh, Dr. Chandler Gray. Immediately when he saw the x-ray. In fact, coincidentally, my friend who had the surgery, we found out we had the same defective Johnson & Johnson appliance in our knee. That was quite... When you when you find this out, just just tell us all. Here's another lesson for everybody. How did you find out that it was a defective appliance? And usually that involves class actions and lawsuits and all kinds of stuff. Is that is that a, a subplot here, or or did you just move past that? At this point, I have just been working on you know having a successful surgery. And getting out and moving again, and taking my life back. In the mm-hmm. future, I may because it's not fair for anybody. What my doctor told me was that that appliance was never recalled, even though they've had numerous problems. He said as each year went by, they just modified the unit and they didn't have to recall it. Well, right, right. I, that's not the way things should be done. This is the problem with orthopedic surgery. 
in that you don't know what you don't know, and it takes years to find out. They didn't know back in five years ago that this was not going to fuse properly to the, the knee, the bone, and that they were going to have an issue. I mean, they didn't know, and it took one, two, three, four, five, whatever number of years, and people in the future that still, there, there are people right now that have that in their knee that may have yeah. a problem, right? Next year, the year after, and it just took longer, and it's still that same installation from, you know, 2015 that, you know, is the culprit. And I don't, I'm not trying to lay blame because, I, they, I mean, they did their very best. They tried. They built a beautiful joint. They put it in people, but it's really hard to know until you know. There could be people right. to blame. Sure, absolutely. But, but I also sympathize with the fact that, like, for instance, the longevity, the question of longevity of the knee, the joint, the, the implement. Our, our knee is going to last 20 years. Ours is good for 25 years. Ours, ours will last 30 years. Well, yeah. maybe, but we're not going to know for 30 years. <laughs> we really aren't. Yeah. I mean, we can pretend and expect and hope, but we're really not going to know until we see the, the data, and that's going to take forever. It's not going to be very helpful by then, you know what I mean? Uh, exactly. And for five years, I was putting all the guilt on myself saying, oh, well, you didn't do the PT right because, you know, your doctor said they were too rough to stop going. So I really was blaming myself. Well, right. You know, you're, well, me neither, by the way. When I'm on the phone with, with patients and I'm, you know, talking to people all the time, every day, you know, many, many, many. And I, that's the last thing that I would point to. You know, it's probably not the joint. You know, it's, I'm sure the, the implement, the prosthesis is fine. I mean, it's, it's this general assumption that you can't lay blame there. Well, careful, because in this case, you certainly can. And, and you were blaming yourself. But I, I think there's another lesson in this, in that people tend to think that it's their fault when rehab doesn't go well, and it may not be the joint. It may be a bunch of other factors, but people really feel like they're failing and if their recovery isn't going well. And you were feeling that for a long time, it sounds like, because it didn't go well and you were very unhappy and kept calling the surgeon. But, you know, I'm sure that you were you know, looking at yourself saying, did I not do my rehab right? Was I lazy? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? And oftentimes there are just factors beyond the, the, the person. And people are doing their exercises, and there are other factors that are playing their role, I think. And one year after my surgery, my husband had to have his knee done. Well, that's when I realized the ice machine, because he was given an ice machine. He also was given that machine uh, where you lay in bed and it lifts up your knee. Sure. And he also had physical therapy coming to the house. In fact, they said he was their number one patient they ever hmm. had. Never complained, and uh, it was an eye opener to me. Why didn't I get all this? Yeah. Well, you know, you're pointing to another important lesson for our dear listeners, and that is, you, you've got to get on it early. Those first yes. two, three, four weeks are everything, and if you can take advantage, even though you're in pain and you're on drugs and you're you're, you're, you're just not yourself, but if you can get to the PT, do the exercises at home, take advantage of the expertise that's surrounding you for a brief period of time, mind you. They don't come to the home forever. It's about two weeks. You go yes. to the clinic after that. That's going to run out. I mean, you've got to take advantage of these professionals before they're gone. They're not part of your life because that's when you can get past these, these for most people. Now, if you have a defective <laughs> implement, that yeah. makes it all the harder. But, but for most people, it's, it's a very opportune moment to, to hit the ground running, really. And I also question, you know, why the PT people didn't know something. They did say to me, you should con they did say you should contact the doctor because you should be yeah. able to do So you never did ask how I found out about the X10 companion, but oh, I'm in a... about that? We don't want to hear about that, Sandy. <laughs> Oh, you, you walked right into my web, my dear. Tell us. <laughs> now I've got her. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to stop golfing um, also in February. I stopped everything because I just couldn't do it. But I was in a Monday Women's League, 
and two um, two of the ladies there went through knee surgery, and they were already up, and they were back in golf. And I'm like, what did you do? And that's when I heard the X10 companion. Both of them used it. Both of them said there was no doubt in their mind that they got the range of motion back so quickly, and they were doing so great because of, of the X10. Well, that, yes, and, and it's funny because in the Villages, Florida area, we have had a little bit of a foothold, and we've had meetings and group things, and we've had the machine available, so the X10 knee recovery system, the X10 machine, you know, we have a small number of units there that we move really about the southeast of the U.S. at this point. I mean, there's nothing like another human being who's been there and done that and has exactly. can tell you, hey, you need to use this ice machine, and here's a great PT, and this doctor's really great. There's this device that you might consider. Uh, those are, you know, important things to hear from individuals, even though they're still anecdotal, and it may not be that everybody has the same exact fabulous result with every ice machine or whatever, but it builds confidence, I think. And, and by the way, Sandy, that's what you're doing right now. You're a human being, right, who's been through this, who's sharing oh. her knowledge, lots of it, You've been through the ringer, as they say, whatever that really means, and you have endured and persevered and have come out the other end, a little bit of a longer journey than you expected. But we, all of us, me included, look at you as a, a true expert with uh, pearls of wisdom. And I mean that because you, you've already shared a whole bunch of important check marks. If, if I'm sitting scoring this at home, I'm writing little boxes down and checking them and making notes because when I go to meet my surgeon, I want to hear things. I want to know the protocol and you're kind of leading us down that path. It's great. It's really great. So yeah, you found out about the X10 and we spoke and you, you ended up engaging us. So it was really a word of mouth. It was, it was, it was friends that, that told you about the, the machine. Not only a word of mouth, I, I virtually saw the two ladies you know, from before surgery to after and how well they did. And it wasn't at all like me. I thought, man, these, these ladies are really tough. I, all I could remember was how I hid in the hole and cried all the time, you know, and they were out. They came to eat lunch with us before they came back to golf. It, it was just amazing to me. And I, I, I felt like I needed every opportunity to do this right, to make up for the prior five years. So I asked a lot of questions, and they gave me the information, and I, I, there was no question in my mind I was going to do that. You have the surgery. Tell us about that and then getting home and then uh, your rehab for the next two, three weeks afterwards. Uh, just, just walk us through that if you could. Sure. I have the surgery, and it was, you know, some people were scared because... They had just opened back up to elective surgery because of the virus. It went well. They found a, a lot more scar tissue than they thought they would. They said, when, just like they thought, when they opened it, the top part just fell out. He said wow. it was like I'd, I'd been walking with a broken leg for five years, mm. is how he described it to me. As you know, we had to reschedule it. We had the X10 coming in March, and then now it was June. But you got it to me uh, two days before my procedure so I could become familiar with it, which, which I really appreciated on such short notice. So I was all set for it. The day I got home late that night, the next morning I was on the X10 three times a day. I was determined. I was so determined that I had my own sharing group. Prior to the surgery, I had been walking in the pool every morning with about 20 friends. We met at 7 o'clock in the morning and we all walked. And I did that faithfully until February when I couldn't even get in the pool anymore to walk. And my girlfriend set up a program where somebody was at the house for each of my three sessions for those three weeks. And they chatted with me while I did my program. It made it a lot quicker, it distracted me, and it made me more determined because they were all cheering for me. My friends have all been through They've all seen how, how miserable I've been and how limited I've been. 
So um, I, I, I actually had three different people come every day. I, I just, I just, I'm laughing and marveling. A was, at your group of friends, right? Oh, wow, best. you are awesome. This is the like best. a big sh- endorsement for the villages, Florida, because wow, twenty awesome oh, yeah. people helping you all the time. That's what a culture. How amazing is that? A, oh, B. Yeah. Remember the Tupperware party? You had a knee party. You had an X10 knee party. <laughs> you know, every day. That's hilarious. I mean, I just imagine. Okay, are we ready for our session? Okay, let's let's chat about you know shoot the breeze, whatever. That's awesome. I love this. It, it, it's a, exactly. It was. I couldn't get out of it. And quite a few of my friends were nurses, so they were like, "Get with it." Well, you couldn't get out of it. You mean, meaning, if they didn't no. show up, you're like, "Well, maybe I'll pass on this session this afternoon." It, it, so there was one day when. I think my I did it ten o'clock, three o'clock, maybe ten to and six were my times. I set that up, and that's what it was. And one of the persons couldn't come to the middle one, so I was kind of, or the evening one. So I was kind of wimping out. Oh, my knee hurts. Maybe I shouldn't do it. So I text my coach, Trish. Trish. You know, I'm really sore. I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't do the next one. Well, she came back and said, you cannot wait till tomorrow. Why don't you wait two hours later and do it at 8 o'clock? And I'm like, okay. So I went ahead and did it at my regular time because I knew I had to do it. Let's get it over with. And I actually felt so much better after I did it. Constantly, I had the, the success after the workout. You know, there'd be pain, not really pain, just the pressure, I would say. Every day when I woke up, I could walk better. I mean, it was immediate gratification. Which All right, so let, let, me, let me jump in here. This, this is, I, I mean, I love this, but I want to talk to people that are not going to have the X10 in their home. And I'm going oh. to say, the lesson, well, okay, I mean, yes, I'd like to have an X10 in every, a chicken in every pot, an X10 in every home. Okay, I, I'd like that too. But uh, there are people listening to this saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to get that machine. I, you know, it, it may not be where I am quite yet. But what we hear is persistence, consistency, exercise at home three times a day, in this case with onlookers and helpers and nurses and buddies and chat. But still, it's work. And it was three times a day. That the word is frequency. And whether you have an X10 machine or you don't have an X10 machine and you're doing this with your own devices, you were at it, you know, every four or five hours, whatever that time frame is, three, four hours. And and that's part of the, the, the magic here of you, you doing it because it wasn't, oh, I, I go to PT twice a week, three times a week. You spend about 45 minutes working out. Then I'm, I kind of that's it. That is not going to solve the problem. You, you solved the problem with a great team, lovely people, Trisha, the X10 machine, but you also solved it by doing it consistently multiple times a day for, well, about three weeks, right? Three weeks. Yes. In fact, they set me up with home care. A nurse came out just to check the scar, and the PT person called me from home care saying, okay, we need to set up your evaluation. My second day I was home, and I said, oh, no, no, no. I said, let's set it up for three weeks from today because I'm using a machine and I'm going to have a range of motion that will work with the other types of physical therapy I'm going to do. And she called me twice. I think she thought I was crazy and I wasn't going to do anything for three weeks. She had no uh, concept of what the machine was on. Uh, wow. Another Another person from the office called me, and I explained a little bit more, told her to Google it so she could understand it, and if she had any questions, I gave her the number to phone call. And um, then they didn't call me anymore for three weeks. <laughs> right. When, when you did that consultation eventually, right? And, and, and how did it go? I did it um, for the day that the machine was taken away from me, three weeks. She was there. She was there, I think, that morning, and the machine was taken away, so she did get to see the machine. She couldn't believe it. 
She was writing <laughs> down, taking all notes and saying, I know 10 people who could be using this right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, uh, and then when we started, she started testing me for everything uh, to see what I could do. She, she couldn't believe it. She, she could not believe it. So the results were great. My first um, appointment with my surgeon was two weeks, and uh, their goal had been 90 for the range of motion, and mine was at 100. Wow. Wow. He, and those are he, early days. That's only two weeks. That's really amazing. In fact, he said, you should, you should, be an, you should do an advertisement for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. Yeah. Not really. Not really. <laughs> I don't think of this as, as that. I think of this as just uh, helpful stuff. Um, wow. Well, where did, you, where did you end up with your, your ability to bend and straighten and all that stuff? When they came to, to release me, they said it, my range of motion was 118. Wow. wow. Yes. And they said, I, they said you don't, because my insurance only paid those three weeks for in-home, and they said, you do not need to go to uh, continue physical therapy. You've got this down. You know exactly what. So the clinic, what normally would happen, you'd go to the clinic three or three times a week or whatever, and they came to you because of the virus, and they they kind of said you don't need us. That's correct. At the end of the the term, they they said you know exactly what to do. So when they were here, they worked on other things. They worked on um, stretching all my muscles and getting my walking correct. Oh my gosh! You are like the poster child for the speeches that I give to people oh. as they're considering the accent. I mean that because I, I, I a physical therapist, uh, as awesome as they are, it gets a little old bending someone's knee, and when a machine can do that and allow them to work on the finer points of recovery, that you know, gait, strength, stability. Uh, other things that, that make you a real rock star in your recovery. I mean, that's using their brain and their skills better than just, okay, you know, I'm going to bend your knee. I mean, it, it allows them to focus their, their skills, you know, elsewhere. And that's exactly what you did. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. And um, I, I did so poorly at the physical therapy five years ago, and they hurt me all the time that I was terrified to think I would have to go through that possibly again. Another reason why I was, get that machine here. <laughs> you don't have pictures by any chance of you and your merry men, your merry friends, your ladies, ladies in waiting. <laughs> I mean, I no. love this, this. This idea of the Tupperware party is hilarious. And, um, yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was one-on-one -on -one at a time. And, right, um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that I didn't let my friends do in Arizona is they set up a calendar to bring a meal every other day for me. Uh, wow. and, if, and I want to share that because initially in Arizona, I said, no, don't do that at all. I don't want that. My husband is a fussy, fussy eater, and I, I could just see these visions of the fridge being full of food nobody ate. This time, I, I, I said, okay, but you guys know I'm on keto, and that's how I eat. And boom, they all, they not only got out of their comfort zone by cooking keto for me, but it, it was a lifesaver. It just was one whole area I didn't have to worry about. Well, yeah, this is another lesson, of course. Uh, say yes. Let yes. your friends help you. And if they're not volunteering to come and help you, you know, maybe craft a little plan or ask for help and, you know, make it a little bit of a community event if you can, if that's available to you. Even if your rehab is going to go with rehab professionals or the X10 or whatever the solution, you know, there are other things that you need help with. And cooking is not so easy when you're, you know, focusing on your knee and, and getting it better. And I think it, it did, it allowed you to, to focus, right? I mean, you were able to say, well, food's kind of taken care of. My friends are going to be here. I, don't, I have fewer concerns in the world. I can just focus on this knee. Exactly. I, you know, I, when I'd get up in the morning, I'd say, oh, oh, Barb's coming over today. I wouldn't think. I have to get on the machine and push myself. Right. I, I was, was more, I'm a social gal, and that, was, that worked for me. Now, others right. might not have anyone around them, but my husband 
if he sat with me while I did it, if I got one word out of him the whole 30 minutes, <laughs> it would have been a surprise. So I, I did what I needed to do. Ah, the differences between men and women. <laughs> the, the, uh, the social side of women and the men who are not quite as chatty oftentimes, I think it's a, but, a nature. I'll tell you what he did, and he didn't make a big deal about it, but it was another way of encouraging me. He would come out after they had left, and I was back on the ice machine, and he would look to see what level I'd reach. got three more levels today. Good job. Okay, tonight get one more. <laughs> he Very did goal-oriented. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, uh, uh, man, I, 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 uh, I, there's a gentleman in Los Angeles who's going to get on the machine. He's having a manipulation on Friday. Uh, today oh. is t- Tuesday. So he has something hasn't gone right. It's been six weeks post-surgery. And it turns out he's an electric engineer uh, and is very technically gifted. And it's that aspect of the X-10, I think, that appeals to men. The, the evaluation, the precision, the pressure factors, how it measures the knee, the, the mechanics behind the, the machine, I think, are fascinating to guys. And I think, and that, that's probably a little bit stereotyping, and that's probably unfair, but, but I, I think that I, I, when I'm talking to guys that are in any way technical, they, they just jump on that, that side of the X-10. Me, I um, just, well, I like seeing that I had a comfortable chair to sit on while I was doing it that yeah. came with it. <laughs> yeah, right. I would say all my friends said, oh, that chair looks really comfortable. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's a, I mean, this thing has been an evolution. It's continuing to evolve. You know, as, as of the time of this recording in July 2020, we're launching our 5.0 machine. And that's been two years in coming, but it's another big step forward from even what you've used. A lot of, mostly similar, but there are some nice advancements and uh, mechanical and software. And, you know, you keep marching forward and, and making things better and better. We don't really have a competitor. There isn't anything like us, but there will be. There will be someday. And yeah. meanwhile, we're, you know, continuing to refine this thing. And, and also, more importantly, on our end, and this is something that, you know, you didn't really witness, but I see every day, and that is just the number of machines available. We're, you know, expanding quickly uh, by building more equipment, finally, and expanding geographically. So... We're sending them out, hiring people and putting them in different states. And, you know, finally, I think in our little company's life cycle, we're on a nice big growth spurt. And uh, even without broad insurance coverage yet, we're, you know, we're making more machines and placing them and keeping them busy and that kind of thing. It's fun. It's fun to see, really. Well, this has been amazing. I mean, did we miss anything that we wanted to cover, Sandy? The only thing I will say is, towards the third week. Oh, um, I apparently became the conversation um, at the 7 o'clock pool walkers. Every day, whoever was there the day before would share the story of how I was doing. And, uh, I mean, I had a laugh about it because, you know, occasionally I have it when it really hurt when I pushed and pushed, and um, they would go tell them, oh, it's been a rough time, but she did much better later. And But... Um, <laughs> They, I, one of the girls came and said, you look 10 years younger. And I just looked at her, yeah, right. I haven't had a haircut because of the virus in months. And, and she said, no. She said, you must have really been hurting so much because it was changed in your face now. It's unbelievable. And she went back and told others. And when they came for their half hour, they'd say, you know, she's right. You really look so much better. Wow. So um, that that was very encouraging for me to hear. But uh, I I know from February on I was I was done. I I had worn out trying to heal my body. It just wasn't happening. It's it's uh, you don't want to. My nature is to kind of discount the some of the emotional sides of things. And, and, and particularly in recovery like this, I think of the mechanics, the scar tissue, the fluid in the knee, the bending, the, you know, the, 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 the path forward physically. And I've had to been, 
I've had to have been reminded repeatedly over the years how difficult this is emotionally, the strain on a person, the depression that can happen, the self-blame uh, that, that goes on, as we discussed, the, the fact that this is not a physical recovery as much as it's a mental recovery, because if you don't have your heart into it, you don't have hope, if you don't have a plan, you may fail. And it may not be that you're, there, there was a mechanical problem. It may be just you, know, you couldn't put yourself in the right frame of mind to get this done. And, I mean, although I think this has a tinge of politics, and I don't, I, I, unfairly, I don't want to do that, but this interview should be called It Takes a Village in some ways. I mean, there's so many names for this conversation we've just had, but it took a little village in the villages, right, for you yeah. to kind of stay mentally ready, tackle each day, do that session that you didn't want to do, you know, but you did anyways, and you know, your little, your support group, you know, there's a great machine, okay, Trisha's awesome, I love it, wonderful, great new surgeon, new hardware, this is great, but what really, to me, made sure that this was a success was, was your friends, the people that supported you. I knew what I needed, and I just went for it. Yeah, well, that tells us a lot about you. I mean, you, you put together this little world uh, and made it a success, success. And now, you know, virus notwithstanding, you know, you're, and I know the Villages is, is a, a hot spot right now a little bit, but, you know, you're, you've gotten back to, are you back on the motorcycle yet? No, not yet. Um, I am back in the pool, though, every day. Yeah. 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 I, I want to go to the bicycle first before I, I get on the the two-wheel. Yeah, yeah. What kind of bike? Uh, do you still have a two-wheel motorcycle? You're, yes, I, I, have a, um, I have a Harley-Davidson Deluxe. It's, it's actually, a, it's called, um, um, oh, my gosh, I'm, Pink Beauty. She's won hey. over 50 trophies. Pink Beauty, she's um, wow. all about... All about the cure, and um, it is a pink bike with over five thousand crystal Swarovskis on. Okay, I so and, need a picture of this bike. I, oh, I need yeah. a picture of this bike. You got to send it. I, I, that sounds amazing. Wait a minute. Well, that's, that, is, that's a pretty big bike, though, for you to manage, isn't it? it? Yeah, but actually, sometimes bigger bikes are easier to handle. I know that sounds crazy, but they are. I started with a little two fifty Rebel and. Um, when you're going over 50 on that, you feel every bit of it. When you're on a larger bike, you don't. But right, um, right, right. Because um, like a sportster, a sportster would be small, but that's a, a rough ride. Uh, yeah, well. sportster, it's too top heavy for most girls. I'm only five two, so I'm pretty short. Because I know that my bike, the Virago, there was a 500. There was one that was really made for women. I think uh, Yamaha Virago. I know that it's Japanese and not your style. Got it. But but I know that that was a kind of a female bike uh, for a while. I'm not sure they even make it anymore, to be honest. But and actually, um, uh, I have a slingshot which I got. I, I purchased a slingshot um, right before I had the first knee surgery, and um, I went in to pick. When I went in to pick it up. I actually went in, of course, I had my platinum with pink hair, and um, I was, and I had my walker with me. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. The just kind of looked at me, and I said, I'm here to pick up my slingshot, and I, um, I, I still have that, and I love it. it I, feel, um, I feel safer on it here in this community. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'll make a decision about show bike. Might it might be time to let somebody else have that and um, go on with the slingshot. I'm not a kid. I'll be I'm 67 now. So yeah, yeah. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. Phases of life, but boy, I well, that's love why it. Trish said that I should get the crystals, the bling uh, bathrobe, and, and tiara. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the princess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it. Really love it. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and mm -hmm. I'm excited to share this on our new Knee Radio 1 and the Bees Knees podcast. This is uh, perfect for us to make a big uh, debut of, of your story. I'm glad that you did so well. I'm glad that we were a part of it, but I, mm -hmm. I wanted 
uh, you know, and I know that I work at X10 Therapy and that we talk a lot about this machine, but I'd like to de-emphasize the X10 for a second and just really put this spotlight on you and, and your stick-to-itiveness and the community that you build and, and the lessons that we've learned throughout this interview. I'll, I'll document all of them in, in the blog that will be attached to this interview at X10Therapy.com uh, because, you know, you, you've laid out some real insight on what we should be thinking about if we're looking at a surgery ahead of us. Uh, so we can avoid, you know, having to spend five years and doing a revision to get it right. Yes. Uh, if I really, if I help one person, it was, it was, um, it's worth it to share this. Well, you're going to have lots of people, as it turns out. Well, Sandy, thank you for everything. This is awesome. Uh, we all really appreciate your, your generosity of your time in doing this interview. You're very welcome. Hi, everyone. One message about what you're listening to, because there are two different audiences for everything that we do now. We have had a podcast for the last few years called the Bees Knees Podcast, and some of you are listening to that right now saying, yeah, thanks, PJ. Got it. I'm listening to your podcast. What else do I need to know? Uh, but I'll tell you, what else you need to know is that there's another way to consume these wonderful interviews and content that we create, and that is Knee Radio One, a 24-7, seven-day-a-week, uh, on-all-the-time knee broadcast. It's a radio station on the Internet, Internet Radio, they call it, and we have a collection of interviews bundled into different shows that run all the time on Knee Radio One. You can find that broadcast simply by going to knee-radio-the-numeral-one.com, knee-radio-one.com, and right on that homepage of that website, you can read all about it, and you can also push play and listen to the broadcast, and it's going on all the time with different programming. We're updating that programming. We're really excited about it, and in fact, we're soon going to launch and introduce a morning show, 7 to 9 a.m., hosted by Mary Elliott. She's busy creating that show right now in the middle of summer 2020, and that'll be out pretty soon, and we're excited about having that, you know, in the world as well. So uh, just an explanation, Knee Radio 1, the Bees Knees podcast, much of the content is the same. We're packaging it for you on the radio station, or you can go to the Bees Knees podcast on any podcast service that you can imagine. We're there, and you can just look up specific episodes and topics uh, on Apple Podcasts or in Google or on Spotify, etc., etc., and you can find individual interviews there. Hopefully that'll help you get what you want out of this knee-focused content that we create. So that's it. This is PJ. I hope you enjoy listening however you're consuming this content. The Bees Knees Podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to thebeesneespodcast at gmail.com.